0: You're listening to a message from Mercy Culture Church, home of Pastor Landon and Heather Schott in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information about Mercy Culture and ways that you can be a part of it, visit mercyculture.com. Mercy Culture, my name is Landon. I'm the senior lead pastor of Mercy Culture Church. The vision of our church is to take people from corporate encounters with God to daily personal encounters with God. What that means is our goal is not just to have a great church service, but we want you to encounter the presence of God every single day. Because when you begin to get in the presence of God, it is so easy to hear Him. When you begin to hear God and obey God, everything begins to change. So here at Mercy Culture, we are passionate about God encounters, and we want to help you connect with God on a daily basis. So we do this through our membership, which is really discipleship. It's really easy. You can go to uh, mercyculture.com and click on connect or just text connect to the number that comes on the screen, and you watch a few short videos about our church, and then you take this game-changing connect with God assessment, and here's what it'll do. It will show you how you best connect with God, and the thing is this. We all connect with God differently. So when you discover how you best connect with God, it's a game changer for your spiritual growth. And we want you to spiritually grow in your daily encounters. And so we want to encourage you, take that next step and go through Connect. Amen. I wanted to just tell the church I am very proud of you and I'm proud of this church. It is amazing to see so many people grow in God and spiritually lead, whether it's at a farmer's market or uh, John John in the youth ministry prophesying over random people in Chicago airports, Uh, just so many cool things constantly happening in this community. And I just want to let you know, as your pastor, I am proud to be a part of this community and I'm proud of you. Come on. Can you just give yourselves one more hand? I want to remind everybody that we're focusing on prayer this summer, and uh, we have a family encounter guide for all the families to grow in your daily encounters as a family during the summer. So if you text family to our all inclusive number, uh, you can download that free guide and uh, have amazing family daily encounters. If you want my notes, you can text notes to the number that comes on the screen, and what is in front of me will be sent to you. How many ready for the word this morning? Turn with me to the book of Leviticus chapter 10. I'm going to divert from the typical ESV version and read out of the NSAB to begin. It says this, verse 1. Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took their respective fire pans or their censers and after putting fire in them, placed incense on it and offered strange fire before the Lord. Someone say strange fire. Which he or God did not command them. And fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them and they died before the Lord. I came to tell you this morning that strange fire is when God is not in your worship but you're doing it in his name. The title of this message this morning is Strange Fire, a Spiritual Warfare Message. Let's pray. So Lord, we declare today that your word is true. We declare let every man be a liar. We declare your word as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, we hide your word in our heart that we won't sin against you. Lord, I pray right now that you would give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, minds to understand what your spirit is saying. Holy Spirit, I ask you to blow upon your written word. Breathe upon it. Let your logos word become rhema. Let it become alive to us today. Lord, we declare no spirit, but the Holy Spirit is welcome in this place. So we say... spirit of fear you must go any religious spirit you must go any distraction you must go we say holy spirit come rule and reign holy spirit we do not make room for you but we give you the entire room father i thank you nobody came to hear me we all came to hear you so we say speak lord your servants are listening and all god's people said amen and amen Well, we are stewarding a prophetic word over our house that this would be a year of dunamis. This would be a year of strengthening and fortifying, where the Holy Spirit's power would go from resting on us to abiding or dwelling in us. We've been focusing on strengthening and fortifying the foundations of our faith. A few of the prophetic words that came out at the beginning of the year was that this year no one would lose their faith or no one would walk away from the faith and that we would be strengthened or we would Be people of the word and people of the spirit. This morning, I want to teach on a a spiritual warfare message that God has put on my heart about a year ago on this topic of strange fire. Someone say strange fire. Strange fire is found in the book of Leviticus. Leviticus. And as, as we're entering in this and looking at Leviticus chapter 10, I wanna give you two warnings that are in my spirit, the greatest two cautions in my spirit for the church today. The first one I shared with you a couple weeks ago when I preached on the authority and the infallibility of scripture. The first is that people do not know God's word. And when you do not know God's word or you do not believe God is, or God's word, the Bible is the infallible word of God, you are on the fast track to heresy and apostasy. And you see this happening constantly in the body of Christ where people are veering away from the authority of God's word. The second concern I see in the body of Christ is that people do not know the Holy Spirit. They think they know him, but they do not know him. Matthew chapter 7, verse 23, Jesus said this. He said, many of you will say, we prophesied in your name. We cast out devils in your name. And here's God's response on judgment day. He said, then I will declare to you, I away from me, you doers of iniquity or lawlessness, I never knew you. Or I was never intimate with you. When we speak to this scripture in Leviticus chapter 10, we see two things that are being attacked. Obedience and worship. And those are the things that you will always find the most spiritual warfare against, your obedience to God, your obedience to God's word, and your worship. So here's a question we need to ask ourselves. How do we know if someone truly has a relationship with the Holy Spirit? what is the evidence of a relationship with the Holy Spirit and it's this you become you begin to look like the one you behold like Moses got close with God he began to reflect his presence or his image so when you are close to the Lord you'll reflect him the other way that you know that you know the Holy Spirit is you bear the fruit of the Spirit now Galatians chapter 5 is clear on what the fruit of the Spirit is and a lot of people don't have the fruit of the spirit in their life so they substitute other things and call what's not fruit fruit they say stuff like look at my new car look at this fruit in my life and I I hate to burst your bubble but your new fancy car is not spiritual fruit it's a car you're like no no no, but look at the blessing on my life look at my new house look at the fruit that's not fruit that's a house but because we lack the fruit of the Spirit, we have to substitute it for other things that are the flesh. Galatians tells us the actual fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So if you want to show off your fruit, show off your love. Show off your joy. Show off your peace. Show off your patience. Show off your self-control. Show off the car you didn't need to buy, even though you could afford it. Show off the a house you didn't go and buy because the Holy Spirit whispered for you not to do it in this season. Whatever it is, but listen, we have to show off the fruit of the Spirit, not our stuff. But it's amazing how many people think they know the Lord, but they really don't. And it's a dangerous state for the church to be in when we can't tell the difference between what is the Holy Spirit's fire And what is strange fire? Typically when I preach to you, I set up a text, I teach about the text, and then I end the message with a story about the text. But this text is so complex and it's so significant, I need to do it at the beginning of the service so that you can join me in this journey of this revelation. And so our text today is in the, the book of Leviticus, chapter 10. Leviticus is towards the beginning of your Bible, and it's in the Torah. So the, the book of Leviticus is chronicle, chronicling the journey of the children of Israel. Just to catch everybody up, it starts in the book of Genesis where God creates everything. Creates the heavens and the earth, creates the world, creates Adam and Eve. As soon as he creates Adam and Eve, everything's perfect. Until they started talking and walking and doing things. God had one commandment. Don't touch the tree. Immediately, they started obey, disobeying God. When God just had one commandment, I know we have a hard time with 10 of them, but they couldn't break, they couldn't live up to one of them. So they disobeyed God. They were tempted by the serpent, and we call that the original sin. It went from bad to worse really fast. It got to the point in Genesis 6, God said, Man, I wish I didn't create this. These people are so corrupt and evil. So God sent a flood to wipe out all of humanity, but He spared a remnant of the righteous named Noah. So Noah and his sons repopulated the earth and they didn't make it too far without it getting bad again. And then God calls a man named Abraham. You know, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. You learned about him in Sunday school. God called Abraham to a promised land. He said, I am going to give you more offsprings than there are stars in the sky. God gave him a supernatural son named Isaac even though he tried to birth the prophetic word in the flesh with the son named Ishmael. But God gave him a, a son from his wife Sarah and birth Isaac. Then he tested him with his promise and said, would you give it back to me? So he goes to sacrifice his son on the altar, and God said, just kidding, I'm not going to make you give your son. I just wanted to test your heart. So his son, Isaac, gave birth to Jacob. Jacob became the father of Israel and had 12 sons. You know them from the 12 tribes of Israel. His last son was a son named Joseph, or second to last was a son named Joseph from his wife, Rachel. His Joseph's brothers were jealous of him because his dad gave him the coat of many colors. So they sold him into slavery. But it was part of God's divine plan because that slavery got him in prison in Egypt. When he was in prison in Egypt, he had a prophetic word for Pharaoh. God used that to take him and put him as a leader over Israel, which got all of his brothers to come back to Egypt during the famine. During this season, Israel began to repopulate the land. And when they repopulated the land, the new Pharaoh got jealous of the Israelites, started killing the babies. Once he was trying to kill the babies, God spared a baby named Moses when his mom put him down the Nile River. He made his way into Pharaoh's daughter's life. Then God raised up Moses in Egypt, and then he realized who he was and who his people were. Then God used Moses and his brother Aaron to deliver Israel out of Egypt. You know the story in Egypt with the ten plagues. They crossed the river. They entered the promised land. So watch. They're going through the desert, entering the promised land. This is important you understand this. So they're going from a season of of bondage and slavery in Egypt into the promised land. And in the middle of Leviticus, we have them in between slavery and bondage and the promises of God. In the book of Leviticus, it's kind of an overlooked book that most people try to skim through when they do their yearly reading plan. But Leviticus is a very important book because the purpose of the book is to teach God's people how God wants to be worshipped and how God wants to be reverenced. Have you ever given someone a gift that you really wanted to give them, but they didn't really want it? And then your reaction, it's like every gift that Steve gives me, and then it's... It's, it's the reaction of, oh, oh I, I thought you would like this because I wanted to give it to you, but it wasn't the gift they wanted. But then when you give the person the gift they want, how excited they are when it was the thing they want. Do you know God wants a certain kind of worship? Do you know God desires a certain kind of reverence? So this in Leviticus is God teaching his people, hey, this is how I want to be worshiped and this is how I want to be reverenced. So in Leviticus chapters 1 through 7, he's giving instructions for offerings because God cares about your offerings. And for those that struggle with greed and don't feel like God cares about what you give, God really does care. And then in uh, chapters 8 through 10, it's the instructions concerning the priests, which I'm gonna teach about today. In chapters 11 through 22, it's the instructions concerning purification because those who come to the Lord need pure hands and a clean heart. Chapters 23 through 24 is the instructions concerning feasts. And then Leviticus chapters 25 through 27 is the instructions concerning the land. But the main theme of Leviticus is how to approach God in worship and in reverence. Our main characters are God, Moses and Aaron, who God raised up to deliver Israel from Egypt, and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu. God is teaching them about worship. Now, what do I mean when I say worship? Worship is a word that we could be familiar with but not have the revelation of. Worship is the practice of expressing praise, thanksgiving, or adoration. Worship is the odd response to the saving acts and praiseworthy character only attributed to God. Worship is reverential response of creation to the encompassing magnificence of God. Worship is an act of giving God glory. Pastor Jasmine says it like this, worship is honor honoring God or assigning heaven's value to the Lord. We get the word in the worship which we get our English word hallelujah from which means to praise Yahweh. Worship has many different biblical expressions. We see worship songs of praise and thanksgiving like we sang today. We can worship through adoration. We can worship through lamenting. We can worship through confession as the New Testament teaches us. We can worship through the dance. We can worship through tithes and offerings you can worship by bowing down or being prostrate before the lord you can worship by your serving but most of all our entire lives are acts of worship as romans 12:1 tells us that we are living sacrifices to live a life that is acceptable to god there's many forms of worship but god made it clear in leviticus how he wanted to be worshipped Throw that picture up on the tent, uh, up on the screen of the tent meeting or the tabernacle. It's known as the tent of meetings or Moses' tent. But God gave Israel clear instructions in the end of Exodus, in the beginning of Leviticus, of how He wanted to be worshipped. And what they would have was, is they would have this tent that they would move throughout the wilderness. And anywhere God went, so did this tent. It was very significant. The first thing you walked in, you would see what they call the brazen altar, or this was the outer court. Someone say outer court. Now, this is important because when Moses and Israel were coming out of uh, Egypt, remember when Pharaoh said, you can go, but you can't take your cattle with you? And Moses said, we're not leaving without our cattle because we need the ability to worship or we need the ability to offer sacrifices. So the first thing that you saw was an altar. What is an altar? An altar is the place of sacrifice. It's the place that God desires sacrifice. Anytime you see an altar of the Lord. It's meant to be used as a sacrifice of worship. So in this day, they brought animals to sacrifice. So they would burn them on what they called the brazen altar. Then the next stage was called the holy place. This was a place that only certain priests were allowed to go. This was a place that they would bring incense before the Lord and they would worship the Lord with incense. Incense resembled worship. And here's what God said. He said, daily, I want you to bring this incense or worship before me someone say daily encounters But the incense also had a practical use to it, too. The practical use was because of all of the sacrifices, the altar or brazen altar left a gnarly smell. I don't know if you've ever seen roadkill or something dead. After a day or two, it doesn't smell good. So there was this smell that would come into the camp. And so the incense would keep it smelling pure. God cared so much about how this smell, he had rules for the incense. Scripture says in the New Testament that our lives, how we live, live are an aroma or in a fragrance to the Lord. But this was wild in the Old Testament. He said, I care so much about the incense, you cannot use the incense you make for me for yourself. Watch this. Exodus 30, verse 38. Whoever makes any like it to use as perfume shall be cut off. You weren't allowed to use the same incense for the Lord as perfume for yourself. What was the Lord saying? I want to warn you when you use my presence, my favor, my anointing for your own advantage. It's a warning to the creative community. Don't use the favor of God on your life for your own advantage. It was a warning to the distinct business community. Don't use that favor that God put on your life for your own advantage. He said, what I put on you is for me and me alone. (laughs) Ministers have to be careful about this because there could be an attraction that comes to you. Presence-driven churches, there could be an anointing that comes to you where you could begin to draw people to yourself. That's why we say "A Mercy Culture, the best thing that you can do is give all attention to God. The worst thing that you can do is bring attention onto yourself. Because here's what the Lord is saying, I want full attention. I want people to smell the anointing and they don't see your ministry, your business, your life, they see me. God is looking for purity in worship. There's something special on the worship of this house. When we launched the church, there was many prophetic words about the worship that would be on this house. And there's a lot of things that we do differently in worship. And our heart's desire is to keep it pure. About a year ago, I was noticing that when we would sing songs in worship, when we sang other songs, though they may be good and anointed, I saw, I felt over and over there was a difference in the impact in our worship when we sang other people's songs than when we sang mercy culture songs. And I started to talk to Pastor Jasmine about it. I said, hey, have you noticed this? Would you begin to pray about this? And as she began to pray about this, she saw the Lord showed her that every song of the house that we would sing as a corporate body, as a song he gave us, we would use it, would be like a weapon that he would have. And if you notice in mercy culture, when we sing easy in his presence, or we start singing like Dunamis this morning, that song that just came out, when you start singing the songs of the house, the power that comes down, do you know why? Because we don't go into rooms and write songs to please people. They take prophetic words. They take prayers. They take things that come out in moments of his presence and we bring them back to him and then he breathes upon it. So let me give you some practical advice. Take the songs of the house that are anointing of this house and bring them into your house. I'm telling you, there's not just an anointing when we play these songs in this house, but there's an anointing when we play these songs in your house. So when the enemy is attacking you, you start playing easy in his presence. When you feel this spirit of fear coming in your home, you start playing fear go, Holy Spirit come. And that's not just a message for your kids. It's a message every time you feel the enemy coming in with his darkness and his lies and his intimidation. I'm telling you, there's an anointing on the songs of your house. God desires his worship to be pure. So the question is, what did these men do so wrong that would cause God to kill them as they brought offerings to him? Here's what they did. The first thing they did wrong was they used their own censer. God had specific tools that he ordained to be used. But here's what they said. I will do it my own way. I will worship my own way. We see a type in shadow in, in, in the story of Uzzah and David where he began to touch the Ark of the Covenant and he tried to manage it. I will worship the way I want to worship. I will do this in my way, not God's way. Notice the benediction in the founding scripture of mercy cultures, Exodus thirty-three thirteen. 13. Teach me your ways. Do you know why? We don't wanna do things our way. We wanna do it his way because we wanna know you. Watch, and that's where the favor of God comes. Number two, they did the high priest's job. Or they did not honor spiritual authority. We see in Leviticus 16, number 17, the ordinary priests only burnt the, at the golden altar. But they did not go and bring the incense. So they took it upon themselves to do what I call unauthorized ministries. And I wanted to bring some warnings and some cautions right now of people that are engaging in unauthorized ministry. What are unauthorized ministries? House churches that are birthed in rebellion. And they say stuff that sounds biblical like, oh, we just want a book of Acts chapter 2 church. We just want a book of Acts house church. Well, the book of Acts wasn't a bunch of rebellious people gathering together. In fact, the church grew so fast that it fell over in people's homes. It did not start in people's homes. It started in a prayer meeting in an upper room and began to grow from there. Then Peter preached and 3,000 people got saved in one moment and it began to explode. They weren't allowed in the temples. Do you remember? They were kicked out of all the synagogues and so they were forced to go into people's homes and that's why they gathered together. But watch this. They were still apostolic covering. They were still spiritual authority. There are still people that were called by God and sent by spiritual leaders. There was still oversight of apostolic ministry. Listen, it wasn't a few rebellious people that started a New Testament church. I want to warn you because if you haven't been able to find a church in 20 years, it's not the churches in your community. You're rebellious. It's quiet in this spirit-filled church. Oh, pastor, I, we, we, we just need to find a church that will preach the meat. Well, that's funny because grown-ups feed themselves. And it actually doesn't matter what your pastor teaches, you rebel against. And as soon as he teaches something you don't like, you church hop to another one. And some of you have church hop and found your way here. And I can assure you, keep on hopping because this will not be a long-term destination for the rebellious. This is not a house that covers unsubmitted people. This is not a house that covers those that are wandering, spiritual elites that never submit to anything. And that's why you never produce fruit in your life because you never have roots that go down anywhere. People are hopping around to where's the move of God? Where's the fire? Where's going on? How can I get seen? How can I get noticed? Oh, I'm not being utilized here. Where have you served? Ooh, it's quiet in this church. Are oh, you love it when I talk about somebody else's struggle? Am I teaching against house churches? No, I'm teaching against rebellion. I'm teaching against people that are spiritually have no Do You know what the dangerous part about a house church is? Is when they're pretending they're a church, but they don't have the spiritual authority of a church. So, But they get the demonic attacks of a church, but they don't have the spiritual protection of a church. So there's not the presence of God. There's not a hedge of protection covering that ministry because it is a rebellious group of people that gather together. And then what happens is when the enemy comes to take it out, there's no spiritual authority of ch- or shepherd to spring the staff of correction and protection. I'm gonna say it again for the trolls on the internet. I'm not coming against house churches. We actually have communities of people that meet in houses that watch mercy culture, that are under authority, that are serving, that are connected to the local church. What I'm against is rebellion and witchcraft. And there's a spiritual war against people submitting and obeying God's word. You also see this. Let me just bring other warnings to you. I also want to give a warning to you people that are reposting and following Facebook and and, and social media profits. Let me warn you, don't repost someone that you don't know who they're submitted to. I'm sick of people having a dream every other week and they're accountable to none of it. John Paul Jackson would call them machine gun prophets. Everybody gets a prophetic word. Everybody gets a prophetic word. And you're just hoping one bullet, one prophetic word lands. But you have no accountability to those prophetic words. You have no submission that you're under authority to. There's no apostolic covering that would come and bring correction and bring a dividing sword. You are a rogue prophet and you're just loosing random prophetic words with zero accountability. And some of you motivate them through your reposts. If you don't know who their local church is and who their pastor is, quit reposting them. It's quiet here. Some of you let social influencers that are pseudo-spiritual guides lead you. And they say nonsense and have no spiritual authority, but you see their follower account and you attribute influence with spiritual authority. <laughs> if follower count was impressive, then Jesus and John the Baptist would not be the most popular people to follow. And the gospel Jesus started preaching on eating my flesh and drinking my blood. He's talking about communion. And scripture says he lost many followers. Reminds me when I talk about abortion. (laughs) He lost many followers. And he turned to the ones that stayed and said, Are you going to leave too? Ah. The goal wasn't influence, the goal was spiritual authority. I got to keep going. Number three, the authorized. The incense they offered was unauthorized timing. They went and gave it when it wasn't authorized to do. What does that mean? It means I'll go to church when I want, I'll give when I feel like it, I'll fast when I feel like it. If I don't feel like it when the church is fasting, I'll sit this one out. You do ministry, you do spirituality on your own pace, not under any authority. Scripture says, watch, it produced strange fire. What is strange fire? I'll need 10 more minutes on the clock. You're right, Isaac, I was wrong. So you'll need strange fire on, I almost said strange fire on the clock. Strange fire has been used, watch, many times to label things out of order that someone doesn't theologically agree with. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about one of those mean conferences that calls speaking in tongues or any move of the Holy Spirit strange fire. I'm talking about what biblical strange fire was. What is strange fire? The word strange in the Hebrew is the word zuur. It means to be strange, a stranger, to be alienated, to become estranged or a strange woman, a prostitute or a harlot. It's something, watch, that is distant from god see it's not that there was something just wrong about the fire it's it came from themselves it did not come from god i'm gonna jump ahead in my notes exodus 30 verse 9 it says this that god himself lit the original fire god said I will bring the fire, watch, your job is to keep it burning. So all of the fire, of all of the incense, all of the offerings was the fire of the Lord. But what they did was they went outside the presence of God, produced a fire themselves, and used the fire that they produced as their own fire offering or sacrifice. It wasn't God. Watch. They were worshiping God, but he wasn't in it. They called it God, but it wasn't his. We see... This strange fire called different things throughout different translations. The ESV calls it unauthorized. The NLT calls it the wrong kind of fire. The Amplified says it was unacceptable. And the New King James says it was profane. That word profane is what we get from our word profanity or to curse. That word profane means to be outside of the temple or to be secular or to use for common use. That word profane, is the word hachel, which means to defile or pollute, to wound, to pierce an opening or a wedge that begins the defilement. That profane simplified means this, is it is a common thing that you pretend is Holy. The profane thing is the wedge that begins to open up the door that brings in something that will be polluted. What is the profane? The profane is the same worship that you give to your favorite sports team is the same noise that you make to God. Profane is the same donation you give to your favorite charity is the same offering that you bring to God. Profane is the same dance you dance on Friday night is the same dance you gave to God on Sunday morning. Profane is you settle for influence on social media rather than authority in the spirit. Profane is you pretend your business is a kingdom business unto the Lord when really it's about you in your own empire. So what makes this profane? What makes it strange or what makes it common? And here's the thing is when you bring the fire Instead of God bringing the fire, strange fire wasn't from the Lord, it was from them. Leviticus 9.24 after Israel had this consecration after uh, uh, Aaron and his sons were made priests it says that they had this consecration this time designated after they were designated and set apart to the Lord the Lord brought the fire Leviticus 9.24 and the fire came out before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering so God originally lit the fire and these guys said we don't have to operate in the fire of the Lord we will bring our own fire. What is strange fire? Strange fire is when God is not in your worship. Strange fire is when God is not in your church. Strange fire is when God is not in your life. Strange fire is created by you for you because it's about you. Strange fire is for Christian consumers rather than a fire consuming you. Strange fire means it doesn't refine you. Strange fire is worship that looks like you love the Lord but your lifestyle looks like you love the world. Strange file is when your revival has to be marketed because it's not authorized by God. Let me simplify this for you. Strange fire is when God's not in it. Pastor, are you saying you're judging our worship? No, I'm asking you to judge your worship. I'm asking you To with holy fear, examine your life. Examine the source of your fire. I believe today, I feel like an evangelist again. I feel like today is a prophetic word and a prophetic warning. And we're starting it with here in our church. Because everything that leaders do, you have to go first. But I believe that there is a warning coming to the Lord of exposing strange fire versus Holy Ghost fire. And what I'm seeing in the world today, what I'm seeing in the church today is the church cannot tell the difference between what is strange, what is common, what is profane, and what is holy unto the Lord. I started noticing this years ago when I was watching a, a show where people sing and and, and people judge them. And one and of those, you know, become a celebrity singer shows. And, 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 and this guy started singing and he was singing this Whitney Houston song and then all of a sudden he starts jumping up and down like he's in church and starts crying and starts saying thank you Jesus and runs off the stage and is having a praise party to a Whitney Houston song. And if you change the song and put him in church, you thought he might be in a revival church. But he was in a secular show trying to get votes to becoming a singer superstar it had nothing to do with the lord what a lot of a lot of people don't understand is the same people that wrote those songs are the same people that are writing many of your worship songs and you don't know that it was formed in a strange fire not a holy ghost fire We can't tell the difference between a strategy. We can't tell the difference between expression. We can't tell the difference between a cool culture and what is Holy Spirit anymore. We can't tell the difference because spontaneous has become a style. Spontaneous worship has become a culture. And what's wild is a lot of people's spontaneous is now planned, and it's not even spontaneous anymore. And they sing like they're encountering God. They act like they're encountering God, but their lifestyles do not reflect a life that knows him. They sing about him, but they don't live for him. It's corrupted the worship culture of America where some of the most carnal, wicked people that that, that are, are not acting as true Christians live in Nashville and write the songs that you're singing about. They live worldly lives. I'm reminded when Paul rebukes all of Corinthians and he says, you're living even worse than the world lives. You're acting like pagans. And no one cares about holy lives as long as you make hit albums. No one cares about how you live as long as you're selling number ones. No one cares as long as it's a hit. And the church is so spiritually undiscerned; we can't discern the difference in the sound. Oh, I'm reminded of Moses and Aaron. Moses and Joshua, when they went back and Aaron made a golden calf and everybody is worshiping and everybody's worshiping this golden calf and Joshua says, is that a sound of war? What's going on? He said, no, it's worship. They're just worshiping what we're warring against. We've lost the ability to discern Holy Ghost fire and strange fire. Today, I'm gonna give you three causes of strange fire. Three reasons strange fire has crept its way into the church's worship. The first is this, familiarity causes strange fire. This is wild church. Nadab and Abihu are the sons of Aaron or the nephews to Moses. Moses is the number one spiritual leader in the world. Moses talks to God face to face. He has to cover his face with a, with a veil because he reflects so much glory. This is their uncle. His dad was the one that stood before Pharaoh. This is the most famous family in all of Egypt. Watch this. And they are seven days out of their consecration. Watch, they were anointed. They were pastors. They were ordained. These guys were the spiritual leaders and on the 8th day after god brought fire himself they took it upon themselves to do it their way see people can think because of who you're connected to people can think because what church you go to do you know that you can come to mercy culture and you could become familiar Do you know that you could just get used to it's always like this, it's like this every week and all of a sudden you could become familiar that it's just gonna happen all on your own and you'll end up like a Samson that wakes up one morning and you get up to break the ties like you've always broke but your strength is gone because you haven't honored the Lord. You become familiar with the source of your strength and that's what will happen to a church that becomes familiar. Familiar this is the number one warning I have for this church and this community on this Sunday is do not become familiar with his presence. And it's hard to say this and it feels weird and and it can be borderline sounding arrogant, but this isn't normal. I traveled full time for 10 years. I'd be in a different church every week, 10 years as an evangelist. And it wasn't a fun job. And I'm so glad I didn't know then what I knew now because I probably would become jaded. I'd go to church after church after church and then maybe one out of 20 churches I'd go to, I'd feel God. It'd be easy to prophesy. People get baptized with Holy Ghost like this. I mean, it was so fun. I just thought there were fun places to minister. And then when I, we started Mercy Culture, I felt the Lord say, come off the road full time. So I went from preaching 70, 80 times 80 flights a year to none. I feel like I'm supposed to give my undivided attention to mercy culture. And then every time we'd gather at mercy culture, he would come. The tangible presence, goosebumps. You know it's goosebumps when it's this hot in here and you have goosebumps. (laughs) And he would come, his tangible manifest presence. And I remember on the second team night, We are in a church downtown Fort Worth. They let us use called Seven City Church. And in the middle of worship, I I remember thinking, Lord, I wonder, are you gonna come again? I asked him in worship, are you gonna come? And the reason I asked him if he was gonna come is because traveling for 10 years, it wasn't normal for him to come. And I said, are you gonna come? And as soon as I started asking if he's gonna come, I just started feeling waves of his presence. And I remember weeping at the team night and I heard the Lord say to me, I'll always come when you give me the room. It's not a silly prayer that we pray before I preach. Watch, it was an encounter with God where he promised, watch, if it didn't become about the people, if it didn't become about the traffic jam in between services, if it wasn't about if every kid made it in the children's church even though we want your kids to get in, but if it wasn't about you being comfortable or you feeling welcome, but he said if it's about me, if it's about me where it doesn't matter how long the services are or how short the services are, if it doesn't matter who's preaching or who's leading worship, if you just give me the room, I will come. We have a sign on the side of the building that says it's like this every week. That's not some kind of flashy, arrogant statement. If we started saying it's like this every week, it comes every week. He comes every week. It's it's different, but it's the same. And he's here, but it's different. How can it get better and more powerful every week? It was almost a shock and awe. How does this keep on happening? Watch, we haven't become familiar. But I can only speak for me. I can't speak for you. And I came in here on Thursday and no one was in here but a janitor. And he came. I felt the wave of his presence as I just came in here and sang mediocre songs. But they were from my heart that are still burning because it wasn't ever about building a big church. It was just about building a church he was at. I remember in December of 2017, I had my first vision of mercy culture and I saw this room, even though I never walked in the sanctuary yet and it was packed, but I never saw one person who was full of his presence. And I want to walk in here on Thursdays during worship time or worship room and wonder, are you going to be there? I was here last night praying for you Asking the Lord what he wanted to do in your life. And he came as I had communion right here on the floor. I never want to lose the wonder, are you coming? I never want to get familiar. Church, that's why the vision is daily encounter. Because you can't get familiar with a Sunday. You need to have that heart's posture every day. Are you going to come? That's why the vision is from corporate encounters to daily encounters. Where every day you wonder, are you going to meet me? Are you going to bring me to the holy place today? Are you going to speak to me today? What do you have for me today? Not once every four weeks on a Sunday. Every day. Church, I'm pleading with you for your marriage, for your children, for your spiritual growth. Please don't get familiar. I've been like this since I was 18 years old. And the only difference is I think I'm getting more radical. Hon, I never want to take him for granted. Church, I'm pleading with you as a father, don't become familiar. The second warning is intoxication creates familiarity. I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to talk to you about drinking alcohol. And I wanna wanna preface it by saying this, I don't want you to hear an angry preacher today. I may be sweaty, but I'm not angry. I want you to hear a loving father. And I'm gonna to talk to you like I would my spiritual kids. And I wanna preface this by saying, I don't drink. Our elders don't drink. Our pastors don't drink. And I wanna be clear, the Bible does not prohibit or abolish drinking alcohol. But it's very clear about not getting drunk. Now look what happens in Leviticus. Chapter 10, beginning in verse nine. The fire of the Lord comes out of the altar, kills Nadab and Abihu, and then God gives this warning in verse nine. You and your sons are not to drink wine or strong drink when you enter the tent of meeting, or else you will die. This is a permanent statue for generations to come. I felt strong in my spirit. I felt the Holy Spirit direct me that I was supposed to teach on intoxication. Ephesians 5.18 says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Church, I believe alcohol has become a substitute for the Spirit-filled life. Where people... Use alcohol to take the edge off rather than lean into a relationship with the Holy Spirit, which is the peace that surpasses all understanding. I believe that people drink alcohol so they can let their hair down and relax and have a good time rather than understanding the joy is in the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, hold on a second. There's people clapping and there's a bunch of people cringing right now. And you're thankful they're clapping because they can't hear you pucker. And your pastor's not telling you you can't drink. Your pastor is telling you you cannot be drunk. And I don't want you leaning on any crutch. I don't want you leaning on anything rather than leaning into the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing. The Bible gives clear instructions how spiritual leaders are supposed to live their lives. Proverbs 21 says this, wine is a mocker, uh, drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray is not wise. Now there's a bunch of people right now, they're like, well, pastor, Jesus drank. Thank you, I'm glad you're a theologian. But I would caution you, it's a scary place to be, that the only time you can compare yourself to Jesus is when you're drinking. I hope that you can compare yourself to Jesus when you're fasting and when you're praying and when you're loving and when you're forgiving and when you have joy and when you have peace and when you have faith. I've watched this creep into the church and I've watched many leaders fall to alcohol. Because what leaders do in moderation, followers will do in excess. First Timothy 3, 8 says this, deacons or spiritual leaders likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine. We see all throughout the Bible examples of biblical leaders that fell to alcohol. We see it was the sin of Noah in Genesis 9. We see it with Lot and his daughters in Genesis 19. We see King David try to get Uriah drunk so that he can uh, 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 get him to sleep with his wife in 2 Samuel chapter 11. And then Paul rebukes the entire church of Corinth where he says, you're all a bunch of drunks and you're living in sin. And we need that anointing of the apostle Paul to come and rebuke the church in America. Now I'm gonna lean in right now because I've watched this go from Australia into America, and instead of having a spirit-filled culture, we've created a drinking culture. And it has swept into the worship movement. I know firsthand experiences of the songs that you sing on Christian radio, that the writers of it go get smashed drunk after writing your worship songs you sing to. We've become intoxicated. Theologians believe that Nadab and Abihu got drunk and stumbled into the holy place and started offering strange fire because of their intoxication. Do you know how many pastors reached out to me during COVID and they were struggling with alcohol because the government told them to shut down their church? The same government that's flying a pride trans flag right now from the White House told them to shut down their church, so they shut down their church. Mind you, strip clubs can be open. Abortion clinics can be open, but the church had to be shut down. Watch. So during springtime, when kings were supposed to be out at war, when pastors are supposed to be threatened to be arrested or being arrested, we shut down our church, calling it wisdom, clamoring in fear, watch, and now this vice got their hooks into pastors because they needed something to take the edge off when they weren't fighting spiritual battles. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. And so are many of you that are sitting out of spiritual fights that you're supposed to be in. And so you'll find yourself with a little bit of strange fire created by an intoxication because the enemy got claws in you because you're not taking the ground and fighting the spiritual fights you're called to fight. We're seeing entire worship movements and global churches absolutely implode right now. And the common vice, no matter what the expression of sin in, is drunkenness. And The church has become drunk on wine and we resist being filled in the spirit. When the Bible says, do not be drunk on wine, be filled in the, of the spirit. I wanna be very clear, your pastor did not say you can't drink. I'm telling you, God's word says, do not be drunk. And what I would warn you is that in all of the pastoral care that we do, how many times we hear of affairs, we hear of brutal calamities in families, and they're all attached to alcohol. And then people begin to do things that they did not do, and it's almost like a demon came on them because it was a demon. It was a strange fire that they opened their door to. And I came to warn you tonight, God has more for you. He wants you sober-minded, he wants you clear, he wants you alert. Hold on a second, hold on a second. I don't wanna embarrass anybody, but I had a gentleman in the middle of worship come up to me and said, I need you to pray over me. I've been eight years sober and I just relapsed. You say, oh, I said, come on. Because he didn't know what I was preaching on today. And I did not insert this in my message between when he told me 20 minutes ago and now. I believe that God has a supernatural deliverance on that man and so many of you that have been secretly bound and he's gonna use the faith of one man in the middle of worship like a woman with the issue of blood who says, I need deliverance today. I just heard the Lord tell me that some of you not only going to get delivered from drunkenness, but you're going to get delivered from drunkenness and full of the Holy Spirit today. The book of Acts prophecy is coming to pass in your life right now. (laughs) Scripture says to be sober-minded. What does sober-minded mean? It means uninfluenced by worldliness. You're only influenced by the Holy Spirit. The third thing or third cause of strange fire is there's no fear of the Lord. Leviticus 10.3, right after God kills Nadab and Abihu, Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord said among those who are near me. I will be sanctified. Before the people, I will be glorified. Watch this. This is what the Lord says to those, scripture says, that are near me. The closer you get to him, the more you need to fear him. Church, you need to grow in the fear of the Lord. If you're young in the faith, I'm not talking about being afraid of God. I'm talking about you're terrified to be out of his presence. That you know what it's like for him to be close. And so you don't want to do anything that would cause you to get out of his presence. Or watch this. You know what it feels like to please the Lord. And so you don't want any of your actions or behavior to not please him. Church, I'm telling you this. That it's not that you just get baptized in the fear of the Lord and you have it. But you must grow in the fear of the Lord. What does it look like to grow in the fear of the Lord? You go to say things that you used to say. And when you feel the Holy Spirit say, don't say those things, the fear of the Lord causes you not to say them. The fear of the Lord causes you not to engage in gossip like you used to. The fear of the Lord causes you not to laugh at wickedness like you used to. The fear of the Lord causes you not to remain silent and in fear to wickedness like you used to. The fear of the Lord causes you not to bow to pronouns in perversion like you used to. The fear of the Lord gives you caution before I engage in certain behaviors. See, we must grow in our ability to fear the Lord. This is a common word that's been in our house. We've been singing songs about it. You've been hearing sermons about it. Hear this. You must grow in it. Uh, Let me pastor you for a moment. There's this common misconception that you sing a song or hear a sermon and you think you have the revelation. Listen to this. The songs that you're singing and the sermons that you're hearing are coming from 20 years of my daily encounters. 20 years of Pastor Jasmine's daily encounters. 20 years of Danny's daily encounters. Listen, they're coming, listen, from a relationship of history of faithfulness with people and their God so that when you begin to sing these songs of easy in his presence, it was 10 years that it was so hard. God said, you're doing it wrong. And teach me how to do it. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Watch, it came through a revelation. The fear of the Lord came through revelation. It's coming through God's word. Listen, it is not a sermon, a study guide, and a song, and you have breakthrough. It is a daily dying to yourself. And you will see breakthrough. Pastor Ryan, come and join me. See The purpose of strange fire is to distract you from Holy Ghost fire. I'm told in the banking industry that they don't train people in counterfeits by letting them feel counterfeits, but they train people to know counterfeits by letting them feel the real thing. The greatest Deterrent to strange fire is when you encounter his Holy Ghost fire. Leviticus 9.24, the fire came out from the Lord. Church, the Holy Spirit's fire is when God is the source of the fire. One of my favorite things is when people are nervous about getting baptized in the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues and their mind's playing tricks on them, and they don't know what they're saying, and then all of a sudden, they get baptized in the Holy Ghost, and no one laid hands on them, no one prayed them, there's no interpreter, it's just them and Holy Ghost fire. It happens all the time in mercy culture. I get reports constantly. One of my favorite stories is one time I asked everybody to start closing their eyes and quoting scripture. And a guy got saved at a small group the week before. And he closed his eyes and he said, Lord, I don't know any scripture to quote. And then all of a sudden he got baptized in the Holy Ghost and he started speaking in tongues. And the Lord spoke to him and said, I'm just gonna give you my words right now. That stuff happens all the time. Watch. When it's Holy Ghost fire, you feel like you can run through a wall. When it's Holy Ghost fire, you don't care what people are saying about you. When it's Holy Ghost fire, you don't care how bad you're sweating. When it's Holy Ghost fire, you don't care who's watching. Jesus said this, I have come to bring a fire. Oh, how I wish it was already kindled. And the road to Emmaus, there was two people walking with Jesus. And like what Pastor Jasmine's saying this morning, they said, we felt the fire in our hearts beginning to burn. In Acts chapter 2, they were in an upper room just worshipping and the fire of the Holy Spirit came and poured out on them and then Paul said this, Timothy, fan into flame this fire that you received. Do you know what he was saying? Ah, The greatest deterrent to a strange fire is a daily fanned fire. You know the greatest difference between a strange fire and a Holy Ghost fire and how you can tell is in strange fire there's no glory. Only the fire of the Lord has glory. You'll hear it on the radio. Well, they'll start singing songs and right before the glory comes, they go back to the chorus because that's what gets more listeners, the four-minute song. You'll see it in church services where people will begin to shorten church services to help church growth and they miss out on the moments of glory where there's overflow. You'll see it where you start missing daily encounters because you stayed up too late watching a series. Because your priority is something strange. Your priority is something common. Oh, you'll watch as many YouTube videos as it takes to learn more, better marketing skills and motivate yourself and find a fire that you can create. But how many days have you taken off work just to come to the worship room and just wondered if he would come and meet you? How many mornings do you get up in a daily encounter wondering if he'll be there? When we say it's like this every week, it's not a marketing statement of arrogance for other churches to mimic to entice people to wanna see what's coming on. It's a statement of awe and wonder that we can't believe five years has gone by and he still comes. How is it like this every week? Church, I haven't lost my fire. It's only burning brighter because I'm with him every day. And I promise you, I'm pleading with you. More than anything, I want you to spiritually grow. We don't care about church growth. We can care less about it. We don't talk about it. We don't plan for it. We don't have marketing companies. What we're obsessed with is two things. is God wanting to be here and you spiritually growing. And I'm pleading with you, the only way for you to grow, the only way for you to break through, the only way for you to encounter the fire, the only way for you to encounter the glory is to meet him every day. Even once a week at Mercy Culture is not enough. Even twice a week here at different events is not enough. you got to meet him daily because that's where the fire is. He said, I want my priest to burn the incense daily. I want your worship daily. I want your prayer life daily. I want your thoughts daily. I want you. Watch. And the church has tried to get cute. And people look at mercy culture and they like, they wanna know the strategy. Oh, is the strategy longer services? Is the strategy these kind of songs? Is the strategy these services? Is a strategy activism? What's the strategy? The strategy is an obsession for him. And whatever he says he wants, ah, there's no wall we won't run through. There's no well we won't get the king water from. There's no city we won't go sit and pray in. You have all these political activists accusing us of taking over the city. They don't get what we're doing. We're going in the presence daily and then hearing from God. And when God tells us to do something, we do it with everything we have. With one goal, not to succeed, to please. Watch. Strange fire comes from a life that does it your way. Holy Ghost fire comes from a life that does it his way. I want to show you something. We're closing with this. Put that picture up there. I, I was in Leviticus 10 primarily today. But if you start in Leviticus chapter 6... That's my Bible and it's highlighted over and over and over and over. And the Lord commanded, and the Lord commanded, and the Lord commanded, and it pleased the Lord, and the Lord commanded, and it pleased the Lord, and the Lord commanded, and it pleased the Lord. In my my version of ESV, I counted 18 times from Leviticus 6 to Leviticus 10, the Bible saying, the Lord commanded. Watch, his word is clear. How he tells us to live. The the word is clear. How he says he wants worship. And when we try to do it our way, he releases strange fire. But when we do it his way, he releases the all consuming fire. Last scripture Exodus chapter 40. I love this. God tells Moses and Israel how to build the tabernacle. He gives them explicit instructions. Watch, this is right before Leviticus. And it says this in verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent meeting. And it said, in the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Church, when you live God's way, his fire and his glory will fill your life. Strange fire is when you do it and you worship and God's not in it because you're doing it in his name, but it's not his way. But Holy Ghost fire is when God's in it because you do it His way. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes all over this place. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Mercy Culture Church. If this podcast has blessed you, we'd like to encourage you to share it with a friend. To learn more about us, find us on social media and online at mercyculture.com.